If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 158 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on October the 9th, Sunday, 2022. How the hell are you, my friends? Are you ready for the playoffs? Because I am. We have a lot to talk about today, guys. (laughs) A lot. Between what's ahead, what's happened this past week, just a lot on the docket for today. My goodness. And it begs the question, where do we even start? Well, why don't we start with the first word in the episode title being history. It was tough to find a title for today's episode because... It's about looking ahead to the playoffs right around the corner. It's about talking about what happened this past week with Aaron Judge and just everything that's going on with history being made and what's ahead. So just history and playoff time because that's literally where we are right now, sandwiched right in the middle of those, right? So speaking of our beloved King Aaron Judge, he did it, people. He freaking did it. He hit 62 damn home runs in 2022. (laughs) He did. After it was getting a little nerve-wracking for some people. I mean, you could hear it with every single at-bat, whether he was in Yankee Stadium or Toronto or Texas. It didn't matter. Everybody was on edge because every single at-bat, whether it be on the road or at home, especially at home, it sounded like it was a World Series environment. It was crazy, and Judge even himself admitted the pressure being there a little bit. I mean, how could you blame him? We already knew that. How could you not feel pressure naturally as a human being, given those circumstances? It was chaos. Like I've been saying for a couple of weeks, every at-bat, pure chaos. And to add on to the pressure, people were even more hyper-focused on him because that was really the only thing left of value in the final stretch of the Yankee season because they had already clinched the East in Toronto. So the season was meaningless aside from his record chase. Well, he came up to bat in Texas. Second to last game of the year. Starting off the game. Second game of the day on Tuesday in the doubleheader. Game 161. And Aaron Judge to lead off the game. Hits a deep fly ball to left. Number 62. I couldn't believe it when it happened. I unfortunately did not get to see it live because on Tuesday I was working late. Thanks to my job. I have told you guys how how crazy my job is now as of these last, last seven to eight months since I was promoted to it. But I was keeping track live pitch by pitch on the MLB app on game day. And you best believe that I erupted in the office and disrupted everything. 
<laughs> right when I saw in play run or runs, I went absolutely nuts. And I actually was listening on the radio. So I was listening and keeping track pitch by pitch, but I was just not watching it live. But I went just about as crazy as anybody. I could not believe what I saw. I was getting a little nervous too because, of course, after that second game of the doubleheader, the only game that remained was the next day. On Wednesday, game 162, he was making it interesting there. And absolutely incredible. Just a surreal feeling. Watch that ball just soar out of the ballpark like that. I can't even describe what I felt. I'm sure most fans can't. Absolutely incredible. Second to last game of the year, and he is now officially our new American League single season home run king. The American League people is over 120 years old, for those who don't know. Very early 1900s it started, around 19, I think it was 1901. 120 years old, more than over 120. And now Aaron James Judge has homered more than anybody in the American League's history in one season. It bears repetition until you turn blue in the face. It is remarkable. Like I've said, it is once-in-a-lifetime stuff. It cannot be appreciated enough. Absolutely incredible. And like John Sterling said on the radio, like Michael Kay said on the television, case closed. It's done. He passed Maris's record. And by the way, I do have to give a lot of credit, especially because I'm I'm pretty hard on him sometimes when it comes to his radio calls because he has definitely almost made me drive off the road a few times in the past. But John Sterling, his call was really, really good. He had a great call on the radio. If you haven't listened back to it, then hit it up on social media and listen to it for yourself. But he had an incredible call on the radio for this call, and I'm... I'm very happy that he was still around to do it because it's worth it. He really had a great call on the mic on Tuesday night. Really, really did for number 62. And it's got to be incredible for someone of his age or even just someone who was around to watch Maris break Ruth's record 61 years ago and to now watch this in 2022 as well. Watch Judge pass Maris now after you, pa- after you, watched, after you might have watched Maris pass Babe Ruth all those years ago. It must just be an incredible experience. I I mean, that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface, I imagine, but it must be, it must render anybody speechless to have experienced both of those things. Incredible. Absolutely just, there are no words. There are no words. It results in me and a lot of other people often reusing words or just trying to search for the right one, but for something like this, you just run out of words eventually because there aren't enough words in the language to properly portray how remarkable this is. And listen, like we hit on last week, this conversation inevitably pops up whenever we discuss this. It's it's unavoidable. But like we hit on last week and like countless people have hit on for weeks and weeks and weeks now amidst Judge's Chase... If you care about steroids, I mean, listen, regardless of whether or not you care about them, despite Bonds being the all-time single-season home run king with 73 still, 
in your mind, Judge may even be your king overall as the first clean player to pass Maris. He might be your personal home run king even more so than Bonds. And like I said, I discussed this whole thing last week. I did. I hear both sides of it. When they say, oh, whether you like it or not, in the history books, Bonds is always going to have 73, and he's always going to be the single-season home run king, let alone the all-time home run king, period. And that's fine, because that is the objective truth. I mean, whether or not it has an asterisk after it or whatever you want, Barry Bonds is always going to be in the record books with the most single-season home runs, and Judge falls 11 home runs short of that. But... If personally, from your perspective, and I'm not going to crap on you if you feel this way, everybody's entitled to their own thoughts and feelings on the matter. I know how touchy a subject steroids is. But he may be your clean home run king. Well, he is your clean home run king. And therefore, he might be just your personal home run king. You might consider him the legit home run king for a single season. And if it is, good for you. I kind of hear both sides. I definitely think it should be acknowledged and appreciated the fact that he is the player who's clean to hit the most single-season home runs because that is the objective truth. But I also understand that, also objectively in the record books, Barry Bonds is the single-season home run king. But I'm just saying, if you do care about that sort of a thing with steroids and you consider whoever's clean to hit the most home runs your home run king, then Aaron Judge is your single-season home run king. And congratulations to you. Again, I'm not going to crap on you. But regardless of how you feel on it, I hit on how bitter and jealous people are talking about this sort of a thing last week, and I just still have no patience for it. But people need to learn to put that aside and appreciate the greatness that you are witnessing this year. I don't care who you're a fan of. I don't care how much you hate the Yankees. I don't care. If you don't have it in you to appreciate what we have witnessed this year, from an objective point of view in baseball, Yankee fan or not, I question your love for this great game. You can hate the Yankees all you want. But I question your love for the game if you cannot acknowledge the greatness we have witnessed. And honestly, guys, also from an objective point of view, I know I've said objective so many times, you probably want to slam your head through drywall, but just hear me out. Other than Aaron Judge, just really just thinking about it without thinking, without accounting for your bias for whoever you root for, who else in baseball is about as likable and respectable and talented, all wrapped into one. Who is more so all of that than Aaron Judge when you really sit and think about it? Who would you rather have if you had to pick any player in baseball? I mean, is Aaron Judge not one of the best candidates, if not the best candidate to achieve something like this? Given how respectable he is? given how talented he is all around. Not just with the bat, which is, of course, where this accomplishment mainly stems from. It's an offensive accomplishment. But you even account for how great he is defensively, the leader he is in the clubhouse, the respectable force he is overall off the field. Who else are you picking to do something like this? 
Who else would you rather see? I mean, of course, depending on who you root for, you'd of course rather see a player on your own team do it if you're not a Yankee fan. I understand that. But what I'm saying from an objective point of view, if you're just speaking about baseball in general, if you had to watch an opposing player on an opposing team accomplish something like this, I mean, who better than Judge? What's with the bitterness and jealousy about it? I don't understand it. Are you that unable to put your bias aside and your pettiness aside and your bitterness and jealousy aside? Albert Pujols is great. He hit his 700th home run this past week. I didn't try to devalue it or anything. He's a great player. One of the best of all time. Greatness is greatness. That's just the fact of the matter. And you got to appreciate it when you watch it. These are milestones that we may never see again. And if we do see them again, they're not going to be for a long time, most likely. You're talking about Pujols hitting 700, finishing with 703. Talking about Judge hitting 62 home runs in a single season clean. You're talking about Miguel Cabrera earlier in the season getting his 3,000th hit. This has been a remarkable baseball season overall, but especially when you account for these rare milestones that we've gotten to see all in one year. In a season that could have gotten totally destroyed if the CBA lockout went much longer. Fortunately, it only went a week and we were able to postpone the games and make up for them on off days and double headers and they got all 162 in but could you imagine how tragic that could have been if much more time was missed and any less than 162 was played when you look at it in hindsight and what we were able to watch and what we were able to watch if this season didn't teach you how to put your bias and pettiness aside for the sake of greatness I'm not sure what season's going to teach you that lesson whether it be Miguel Cabrera, Pujols, or Judge. Learn to appreciate what you have watched, what you've gotten to witness, what you're going to be able to tell all the future generations about. Like what our grandparents have been able to tell us about, about what happened many years ago. We're going to be able to now do the same thing for the future generations, whether it be for Miguel Cabrera, Albert Pujols, Aaron Judge, for 2022. When you really think about it in the grand scope of things, when you look at all the players in baseball right now, you really sit and think, when's the next time we might see any one of these three milestones? And you go, holy crap. It might actually be a while, if ever, in my lifetime. People have to learn to appreciate it more. And in the judge case, I even had someone going on and on about, oh my God, well, how can he not hit 62 home runs? He plays in a little league ballpark. Well, there are just so many fans out there who are just not ready for the conversation over the fact that Yankee Stadium is really actually not as hitter-friendly a ballpark as they might like to go along with thinking. You know, it's around the halfway point when it comes to all 30 stadiums. It's around the halfway point as far as being hitter-friendly. Because really the only real easy hitting part is right down the right field line with the short porch. And a chunk of right field, I'll give him that. And right down the line and left. But if you look at Yankee Stadium when approaching like the Yankee bullpen, or especially when you go really far beyond, or just a little bit beyond, straight down the left field line, and especially when it comes to the visitor's bullpen, which is 399. 
and really to left center field in that garage area and to dead center. I mean, those are deep parts of real estate over there in Yankee Stadium. And Aaron Judge is a righty. You know that Aaron Judge is also basically averaging this year, he averaged around 400 feet worth in home runs. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's not being aided by a hitter-friendly ballpark. One of his shorter home runs came on the road. And by the way, speaking of the road, he actually hit more home runs on the road this year than he did at home. But no, people will do everything they can to discount any great thing that happens so long as they don't like it. They will do or say anything to take the value away from such a great achievement. And it's sad. Even when there's evidence to debunk what they're saying. Well, they just go along with the crowd, you know. They see the short porch and everybody's calling Yankee Stadium a Little League ballpark. I'm going to call it a Little League ballpark too because it's the Yankees and I hate them and I want to be petty. Can't appreciate somebody hitting 62 home runs. Get over it. And maybe actually do a little bit of research so you don't sound like a complete bozo. But those people are probably not ready for that conversation. I mean, this is Aaron Judge who hits nukes like it's going out of style. I mean, what the hell are we doing here? Trying to discount Aaron Judge over here. What are we doing? Just appreciate it. I understand there are always going to be people out there, regardless, you know, there are going to be people out there who are just incapable of appreciating it and they just don't want to because they hate the Yankees that much or maybe for whatever reason they don't like Judge personally. I don't really know why they wouldn't. There's not much to dislike about the guy, if at all. But whatever, I guess they have their reasons. So, you know, if you don't want to appreciate it, then fine. Just stay miserable then and I guess just get hyped for when your own player does it. But it's just something that should objectively be able to be enjoyed and appreciated and honored and remembered forever. Because it's 62 home runs, guys. 62 home runs. I don't care where you play. I don't care. It's incredible, especially when you average the amount of distance on home runs like Judge has, when you've actually hit more home runs on the road than home this year. I mean, what excuse are you going to use at that point? It's remarkable. Like the Yankees or hate them. Like Aaron Judge or hate Aaron Judge. What he did this year was a season that we may very well never witness again. Especially from someone who has not eventually been caught with steroids, at least as of now. Just appreciate it and honor it because this is incredible. And the only thing that can make it even better is, of course, with a ring at the end of it, right? (laughs) But just in case... Just in case Aaron Judge's record-breaking home run wasn't enough history for you this past week. Yeah, also another reason why I had to just include history in the episode title somewhere. Because Aaron Judge's history, that would be enough to last anybody a lifetime probably. But no, it didn't even end there. Because despite his continued inconsistency to finish off his blah regular season, I would call it. It's a pretty good term to describe it. Garrett Cole... He actually provided a record-breaking moment of his own. And it's also very impressive in its own right. Because Garrett Cole, in his final start of 2022 in Texas, also broke the Yankees single-season strikeout record. And it was on the same night, by the way. Same night as Judge did what he did. 
And that is an incredible accomplishment, people, because think of all the great Yankee pitchers through the decades. There have been a lot of them through all the past decades, the last century. And Garrett Cole has now struck out more people in a single season than any of them. He only trailed the previous record holder, Ron Guidry, Louisiana Lightning, by five in 2021 by striking out 243 because Guidry had struck out 248 for the record. And now, one year later, he said, I'm going to strike out 14 more this year and hit 257. (laughs) I mean, this, like I said before, judge, and the fact that they both happen on the same night. And then also, like I said before, you account for Pujols hitting 700 and finishing ultimately with 703 in his resurgent season and in the last season of his great career. Miguel Cabrera earlier in the season getting his 3,000th hit. Remarkable. The history that we have witnessed. Absolutely incredible. It's, it leaves me without many words. It really, really does. Incredible. So a lot of history being made this past week. I could not be happier about Aaron Judge's 60-second home run. I truly can't. Aaron Judge is by far my favorite modern-day Yankee. I have my other Yankees that I love a lot. Giancarlo Stanton, a few others. But there couldn't be a better person to do it in my mind. There really couldn't. And that truly is putting my Yankee bias aside. I really mean it. Try not to laugh at me. (laughs) He, I really cannot think of many better people, if anybody, to do this than Aaron Judge. He's deserving of it. The durability this season that he's shown in his second year in a row and his consistency, even in a time where pressure was probably as high as any player has had to deal with in a very long time, he just kept his head down and just got the job done. And he broke the freaking single season home run record for the American League. <laughs> and as far as clean players, broke it just period. If you care about that. And like I said, there's only one more thing left to do. Do the same thing that Maris and the Yankees did in 1961 when Maris broke Ruth's record. And that's win the damn World Series. And speaking of the World Series and the path to getting there being the playoffs overall, why don't we start to look a little bit ahead? Because like I said, that's basically what this episode consists of, really appreciating what we witnessed this past week. And we'll talk about some Yankee news before we move on ahead. Just looking back on this past week and then talking about what is ahead. What's ahead for the Yankees? I'm recording this episode real early Sunday because I have somewhere to go later today. But yesterday... The Yankees' opponent was set for the American League Division Series. Hell of a wild card round so far. The Guardians swept the Rays out of the wild card series, finally winning that second game yesterday. Oh my God. <laughs> it took 15 innings. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather watch 25 innings of a baseball game rather than have the, uh, the runner on second horse crap. But. 15 innings for someone to do something. A walk-off home run hit off Corey Kluber for the Guardians. And they finally were able to win that game yesterday. 1-0, eliminating the Rays and moving on to the division series to take on the Yankees. How about the other American League wildcard series, huh? How about those loudmouth Blue Jays? 
winning game two, eight to one. And then in spectacular fashion, blowing the game and losing to the Mariners and getting eliminated at Rogers Center, declared Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s house just a couple of weeks ago. They lose in humiliating, collapsing fashion to the Mariners, 10 to 9 to get eliminated. Now, let's see. I tweeted this yesterday, but I do enjoy the occasional recap. So let's, let's look back on things. Since Vlad Guerrero Jr. declared Rogers Center his house after walking the Yankees off in the first game of their last series together in the regular season. Let's see. The very next day, they allowed the Yankees to clinch at Rogers Center. The day after that, they surrendered Aaron Judge's 61st home run at Rogers Center. And now, in the playoffs, <laughs> they, in a game, they were leading 8-1 to one in, lose 10-9, to nine, and get eliminated in Rogers Center in front of their own crowd. Before the season, they also had another statement, pretty sure it was Vlad Guerrero Jr. as well, saying that last year was just a trailer to their talent and their abilities and what we're going to see out of them, and that this year was going to be the movie. Well, <laughs> what an anticlimactic ending for them, huh? <laughs> oh my gosh, what an embarrassment for them. My God, can it get much worse than that? So the Mariners are moving on to face the Astros in the other American League Division Series. Even though I'm sure it won't, hopefully this experience humbles the Blue Jays a little bit. And the Yankees and the Guardians, well, they're going to kick things off on Tuesday night with the ALDS. But first off, first off, let us get to some Yankees news heading into the playoffs because this is a big deal. A couple of things to announce. Not really much news from this past week, especially given it was a short week, at least games-wise, because... After last Sunday, it was just Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Tuesday being the doubleheader. So just a couple of pieces of news. First thing being that off of the injured list, the 60-day IL, came Miguel Castro. So Miguel Castro's back, and he was a little bit wild in his outing in Texas. Gotta say, did not miss him much at all. Of course, I'm glad when players return from injury, because I'm not rooting for anybody to get hurt. But, uh... Just strictly from a pitching standpoint, gotta say, did not miss Miguel Castro or his wildness on the mound much at all. But to clear roster room for him on the 40-man, because he was coming off the 60-day injured list, they DFA'd Chichi Gonzalez, and since then, they did outright him to the AAA roster, so he did not have to leave the Yankees ultimately, but he is off the 40-man nonetheless to make room for Miguel Castro. And on Tuesday... There was an official announcement on Marinaccio. You remember last week on Sunday when I was in the middle of recording, he had left the game because of his shin problems. And we had gotten an update while I was recording that it in fact was a shin issue that Boone said he had been dealing with since July. But on Tuesday, after he had gotten an MRI, there was some more official feedback as to what they planned with him. And it was announced in... Uh, in rough fashion, because nobody wanted to hear this, especially considering it was an injury that they said he had been having issues with since July, it seemed like it was going to be something that he might have been able to play through. But it turned out to not be the case, because the MRI revealed a stress reaction in his shin. And according to Jack Curry, 
Boone did say, speaking of us thinking that he could have maybe played through it, Aaron Boone did say when reporting on this official news following the MRI that Marinaccio did want to try and pitch through this so he could, of course, be a part of the postseason roster. Marinaccio has, of course, played a big part in the Yankees' success this year, so of course he would want to. Can't blame him there. But um, the Yankees said, no, sir. We would rather you take some time off and uh, come back fully fresh if we are still in on things because we want you as healthy as possible for such a vital time like the playoffs. So they did place him on the injured list, and he is not going to be around for the ALDS. So if the Yankees do make it to the CS, if they do make it past the Guardians, then we could see Marinaccio again. It is not a guarantee. Seems pretty likely that we will, but it is all but certain pretty much. I mean, it is certain that we are not seeing him in the American League Division Series. So that really sucks. And that, of course, does leave another roster spot open as far as the roster crunch is concerned. So we'll see how they use that spot since Marinaccio will not be able to be used. And um, they did put up a stat after announcing this news just to emphasize what we already know about how big of a part Marinaccio has played in the success of this team for the vast majority of the season. And um, that stat was that in his last 40 innings, Marinaccio had a 113 ERA. 113. Yes, you heard me correctly. (laughs) 1.13. Terrific. I mean, he's had a terrific season out of that Yankee bullpen. Outstanding. Came out of nowhere this year and ended up being a really big piece out of that pen. Eating up a lot of vital innings, getting out of some big jams, and just doing an amazing job, genuinely, for the bullpen, especially in times where it was struggling. And the bullpen did have its spurts of time, even heading up towards the end of the season, where they struggled. And when Marinaccio was around, at least, because he did miss some time due to injury, he really helped stabilize things out in that bullpen as best as he could, and he did a great job at it. Just So just really, that's that stings to miss him, really, for the ALDS. And if the bullpen really does happen to fall apart and, you know, God forbid the worst happens, then you're going to look to missing guys like him. Missing guys like Michael King. Michael King may have gotten hurt months and months and months ago, but I think it's safe to say that he is forever in the minds of us Yankee fans because they miss him. He was doing a he was himself was doing an just an outstanding job. He got hurt, and now for the American League Division series, you're out another crucial arm in Marinaccio, so that really stinks. It really, really does. Really sucks. Abreu, though, Albert Abreu did replace his spot on the roster. I'm hoping Abreu I mean I don't know. Abreu wasn't brutal. But I just didn't trust him in big situations. He seems to get wild a lot of the time. I don't know. I'm not really that comfortable with him making the playoff roster if he does make it. But like I said, it does give the Yankees a little more wiggle room to include somebody on the roster that maybe they didn't plan on including prior to Marinaccio's injury. But now that there is a spot open due to Marinaccio not being able to be on the ALDS roster... I mean, maybe someone like Abreu does sneak in, or maybe someone like Chapman as opposed to, as I would be to that, as I said last week. <laughs> but at least right now, when Marinaccio got hurt in the last few games of the season, Abreu replaced his spot on the roster. And that's really all the Yankee news from this past week, guys. That's really all. 
So what do you say we go right to weekly recap since we basically talked about everything good that happened this past week, all the crazy stuff that took place between history and all that good stuff. So why don't we get to the games that actually happened to end the 2022 season? Can you believe the regular season's over? Because I know I say it like a broken record. I say a lot of things like a broken record, but I cannot, I cannot fathom that the regular season is over. Every year. I feel like April comes around, I blink a couple of times, and it's the first week of October. It really is amazing how time flies. But why don't we fly through time ourselves, huh? And go back to last Monday to recap the final week of the regular season in 2022 for those New York Yankees of ours. Yapping Yankees time machine, let's do it. Well, my friends, like I said before, this recap is probably going to be a little bit shorter than most because there were only really four games this past week. Games number 159, 160, 161, and 162 in Texas to end the Yankee season. After we spoke last Sunday, that game had wrapped up already. So there was really only the Texas series. After last weekend's series wrapped up against the Orioles, the Yankees did lose that game 3-1 to to the Orioles to end their regular season at home. And since they did not win that game, they tied the record for the most wins in a single season they've had in the new Yankee Stadium. Still an awesome accomplishment. Still a great season at home, 57-24. and So great job to the Yankees. Fantastic home play this year. And they would move on to Texas, which again... On top of this past week's weekly recap probably being shorter because it was only four games. But aside from Judge's home run chase, like I said earlier in the show, the games are meaningless because the Yankees had clinched in Toronto already. And they couldn't change their spot in the playoff bracket. They weren't they weren't catching Houston, and nobody was catching the Yankees for the second best team in the AL record. So the Yankees were staying the number two seed in the American League. That wasn't changing for better or worse. So the games were completely meaningless. They had no meaning whatsoever, no value. So we'll just breeze through these, I guess, aside from the moment where Judge did what he did, of course. Monday's game was started by Luis Severino, and I do have to spend a second on this because this start was probably the best Luis Severino start we have seen in years. Of course, unfortunately, the vast majority of Luis Severino's career so far, it's just an unfortunate truth, has been spent on the injured list, especially as of the last couple of years. And it really is a shame because that's always been the problem with Severino. Not his stuff, really. Nothing like that. Nothing on the field, really. It's just always been his inability to stay healthy. He has no durability, and he has just gotten so many injuries, often one on top of the other. And he even missed a big chunk of time for months this year due to injury. And a lot of the, a chunk of it wasn't his fault because the Yankees put him on the 60-day IL and delayed his return more towards the beginning or middle of September when he could have been back sooner than that. But I think it's safe to say that with this start, the ramp-up has gone fine, and I think he is playoff ready. <laughs> the Rangers may not be the best of teams, but what he did is impressive against just about anybody because Luis Severino pitched seven, not only shutout innings, not only shutout innings, but seven no-hit innings. And they took him out of the game and there was some controversy about this. Oh, how could you take him out with a no-hitter, this and that. I got to tell you, 
I do criticize the Yankees and Aaron Boone's moves here and there, as any fan should, because not every move is going to be good or right. But this was the right move. And because you just need to have your priorities straight. If you don't agree with this, then I just don't think you have your priorities straight. Because his pitch count was already a bit high. It was around 90. To complete the no-hitter, he probably would have to go way over 100. And this is only, he's only had a handful of starts, barely, since coming back from a multi-month injury. And to me, and I love watching history, whether it be no-hitters or anything else, as much as the next person, please keep that in mind as I say this. But to go for a personal accomplishment in a meaningless game, where especially in someone like Severino's case, you could very well risk injury if you were to tax their arm like that so soon after coming back from a multi-month-long injury. It's not worth it when you account for what's ahead. The playoffs are a week away. You're expected to play a vital role in this Yankee rotation not long after coming back off the injured list. You've already had a remarkable start as it is. You don't have to push it and risk anything bad happening right before the playoffs and really having it bite you in the ass when it really matters. Because in this game, it didn't matter. Meaningless game. And yeah, it would have been great to see, guys. It would have been. And to be honest with you, given how Severino's stuff looked, I wouldn't be surprised if he had been allowed to go the whole way. I wouldn't have been surprised if he actually did it. And they even asked him afterwards. I mean, of course, he's going to say this, you know. But, <laughs> I mean, they even asked him later, if you were able to go the whole time, do you think you would have been able to do the no-hitter? He said 1,000%. And honestly, I don't fully disagree with that at all. As a matter of fact, I completely agree. His stuff was electric. He was pumping triple digits. His breaking stuff was incredible on his slider. His changeup was looking great. He had everything working. And if that's any sort of a version of Severino that we're going to be getting in the playoffs... This starting rotation's in good shape. The only thing that I feel they have to figure out, more moreover anything really, and it's pretty funny I have to say this considering who we're talking about, but I think it's just Garrett Cole having to get over his mental struggles when it's just when things don't go his way or he starts to give up a walk or a hit or a run here and there and just prevent him from totally unraveling. I think that's the only thing that stands in the way from the Yankees' rotation being completely devastating. This was an amazing start for Luis Severino. I mean, to go into the playoffs looking to be in this kind of shape and this kind of form, you can't ask for anything more, really. You can't. A terrific start by Severino. Seven innings, only one walk. That was the only thing standing between him and a perfect game. No hits, seven strikeouts, just having the Rangers hitters be all over the place, not knowing what's coming or what to do. He had them searching for answers all night. All night. Really amazing start for Luis Severino. A lot of credit from me. I agree with the move to pull him early as much as it sucks. It's a crappy situation to be put in. Even Boone said as much, and we all know that. And he and Severino are having a little bit of a dialogue in the dugout afterwards. Or actually beforehand, in the inning before he was taken out. And you saw Severino was fighting to stay in the game, but he probably Boone probably explained to him, listen, we got bigger things ahead, you know? Just that sort of a thing, and eventually Severino came to understand. But I agree with the move, and even without talking about the move, phenomenal start for Luis Severino. Amazing. Pitched a complete gem. The only run that was allowed was charged to Miguel Castro, because he came in and was totally wild. So, 
there was that. But that took place in the bottom of the eighth. And the runs scored on a ground out. Other than that, the Yankees did get three runs on the night. Top of the fifth, Kyle Higashioka got an RBI single. And let me tell you something. Last couple of weeks, Higashioka, I've been hard on him for the whole season, as have we all, because he deserves it. He's just done nothing offensively. And he's even had more trouble behind the plate than usual, but especially towards the beginning part of the season. But he's been swinging it lately, man. He is feeling it. And let me tell you something, that would be huge, especially, I mean, it is huge, especially given where we are in the season, right before the playoffs, heading into the playoffs, for this, for this to be starting to happen now. I mean, this happened in the month of September for Glaber too. You cannot find a better part of the season to heat up in than in September, heading into the playoffs. There's no better time than that. So Higashioka doing a great job here again, getting the Yankees on the board with an RBI single in the fifth, one nothing. Then top of the eighth, Marvin Gonzalez got a hold of one. Really crazy. Made it two to nothing, solo shot for him. And then right after him, a couple of batters later. My goodness. My boy, John Carlos Stanton with his 30th of the year, a missile to left center field. And my boy seems to be waking up. When he's out there hitting these rockets to left center, it's a good sign. And it's more of a sign than we've seen at much of any time aside from his walk-off remarkable grand slam against the Pirates. But this is a good sign and also what would come later on. This wouldn't be his last home run of the year, but this was number 30, up 3 nothing. Then the Yankees would allow that run. Miguel Castro would in the bottom of the 8th make it 3-1, to but the Yankees would win by that score 3-1. to the next day on Tuesday, like I had said, was the doubleheader. And the first game was actually a lot of fun because the Yankees were actually losing late and then were able to score two runs at the end to take a lead at that point and then win. On the mound for the Yankees in game one was Jameson Tyone. He especially at the beginning, more so than anything, and... Even And again, in the fifth inning, just didn't have his best stuff. He was walking guys, just allowing really hard hits, whether they be outs or just actual hits. I mean, he just wasn't looking good, wasn't locating well. And his final line was six innings, seven hits, four runs, and two walks and only five strikeouts. So not a great start for Jameson. And I hope he can find his groove a bit more heading into the playoffs because he's going to be the number four probably. And he is important. Definitely holds some importance, for sure, to say the least. As far as scoring, top of the first, Oswaldo Cabrera. My boy, I swear, this guy, I love Oswaldo. He's become one of my favorite Yankees. When I spoke about my favorite Yankees being Judge and Stanton and a few others, well, Oswaldo Cabrera falls under the category of a few others because he just does it all. Even the bat has come around the last bunch of weeks on top of the phenomenal defense. He does it all. And he's only been up for about a month or two. He hasn't been here a while, and he's already shown all that he can do. When he fully develops, he's going to be something else. He better stick around for a while and be on every playoff roster. But he opened things up with a solo shot, one to nothing. Then in the bottom of the first, Jamison gave that run back and allowed the Rangers to take a lead on a two-run single by Josh Jung. Then in the top of the second, the Yankees would come back and tie it on Oswald Peraza's first major league home run. Showing impressive power to left field. Congrats to the kid. I love when the kids play. We all know that. 
and that was awesome to see out of Oswald. Congratulations, kid. First major league home run. Hell of a moment for him. Hell of a moment for Yankee fans to witness. And hopefully this is just the beginning of the greatness of Oswald Peraza. Top of the fifth, Marwin contributing again. What the hell is going on? <laughs> RBI single makes it 3-2. to two. Then in the bottom of the fifth, Jameson gave it back again. Tyone giving up a two-run shot to Adolis Garcia. So that made it 4-3. to three. Then the top of the eighth, those two runs. Yankees coming back again, like I said earlier. They came back. Kyle Higashioka again. Tenth home run of the year. Continuing to swing it good. 4-4. Four to four. Solo shot. All tied up at four. And then after that, Harrison Bader. RBI single giving the Yankees a 5-4 to four lead in which they would win by. So the Yankees grabbing the first two games of the series. Game three of the series. Game two of the day. Doubleheader was on Tuesday again. On Tuesday night, game two, Garrett Cole took the mound. He went six innings, allowed six hits, didn't walk anybody. Gave up three runs, two of them earned. And struck out nine in his quest for the 257 total strikeouts to now officially own the Yankees single season strikeout record, which again, we spoke about in the beginning of the show. Awesome stuff. A lot of history made on Tuesday. And by the way, that unearned run was because of an error by Donaldson in the fifth inning, in case you were wondering if you don't remember. But along with Cole doing that, obviously, as I said earlier, Aaron Judge to start the game off. The Yankees would unfortunately go on to lose this game 3-2. to two. You would have liked for them to win given everything that happened this night between Judge mostly and even Garrett Cole's single-season Yankees strikeout record. But they would end up losing, but it did get off to a great start. I mean, the best start you could possibly imagine because the game started off, like I said earlier, leading off with Aaron Judge with his home run to left field, his 62nd record-breaking home run. That gave the Yankees an immediate lead at the start and gave everybody in the world a very remarkable moment to remember forever. As long as we live, I'm always going to remember this. I will be telling any sort of kids or grandkids I may or may not have in the future about this happening. And I can't wait to do so because I've always had my future generations tell me great stories, whether they be in sports or whatnot. And at least sports-wise, this is going to be one of hopefully many great sports stories that I have to tell. I already have a bunch. I've witnessed a lot in my 15 years as a Yankee fan and baseball fan in general already, and even in the other sports. But this is definitely towards the top, if not at the top. I never thought I'd see the day where somebody else, let alone a Yankee, especially a clean one, would break Roger Maris's record. I mean, it is... I'm just going to give up on trying to find words because I can't. <laughs> Nobody can. Nobody can. All they do is just... They're only able to just soak in the moment and appreciate the greatness, hopefully that they're seeing in front of them if they're not a bitter, jealous fool like a lot of people on social media and whatnot have exposed themselves to be. But nonetheless, Aaron Judge opening up this game with his home run that will live forever. And I do also have to give a lot of credit to the Rangers for going after Judge this series, much like the Red Sox. They really went right after him more often than not. And I also have to tip my cap to the Rangers organization and their fans for letting the Yankees have their moment on the field, giving Judge a standing ovation. The Rangers really, whether it be the organization itself, the team itself, or the fans, all of them handled it with 
a great deal of class. Really respectable stuff. I got to give it to the Texas Rangers overall. Organization, team on the field, and fans. All of them. Really respectable stuff. I, I really appreciate that. So, nonetheless, that did open the game up and gave them an early one nothing lead. Spoke all about Judge's home run already before. Bottom of the first, Garrett Cole. Who, as we've seen in a lot of instances this year, has seemed to forget the concept of holding a lead. Definitely forgot that concept in this game. But he gave up a game-tying RBI single to Garcia, making it 1-1 to right away in the bottom of the first. Top of the fifth. Remember when I said before, my boy Stanton, it was not his last home run over on Monday night? Well, I wasn't lying because he went deep again here. Another great sign. Two home runs in back-to-back days. So this is the dream if you're a Yankee fan, not only just in general if you just love him as much as I do as a player, but also in the sense that if this is truly in fact Stanton waking up just in the nick of time again with the playoffs right around the corner, there aren't many other guys that you could get more excited for in waking up right now because this is a guy... (laughs) I don't need to tell you. You know if you've watched five minutes of him at his best. This is a guy that can take a team, lift them up, and put them on his back and run with them. (laughs) I mean, if this is him waking up, if he is awake and just keeps with it in their time off waiting for the American League Division Series, this is going to be fun. (laughs) A lot of fun. So... Again, Stanton homering once again with his 31st home run. And I can't remember if I mentioned this last week or the week before that, maybe. But I'm going to mention it now just in the event that I didn't already. But Stanton, by the time the season ended, he probably missed about 50 or so games. I'm going to say around then. I'm going to check right now. But my point is, think about if Stanton played at least like 150 games. Damn near a full season. Just imagine it. And yeah, right here, he missed he missed 52 games. Because he played 110. So he missed 52 games. And in 110 games, after missing about, give or take, I would say, about a quarter of the season, the man still hit 31 home runs. And a large chunk of the time that he did play was the struggling he experienced after coming off the injured list. So if he had consistent playing time and and good durability and stayed on the field, could you imagine? <laughs> we really probably would have gotten the closest thing, if not better, to what Yankee fans experienced with Maris and Mantle in 61. When Maris hit his record-breaking 61 and Mantle was right there chasing him for it, ended up hitting 54, the two combining for 115. The M&M boys. This season, you could add Judge with 62. And with a full season, I have no doubt in my mind that with durability and consistency, Stanton could have had himself maybe 45 to 50 home runs, especially when you give him the numbers of having played a full season, 31 home runs in 110 games. If you give him 150 games, he's got to have at least 45-ish, 50-ish home runs. And at that point, you're pretty damn close to what we got with Maris and Mantle 61 years ago. I mean, just think about it. So it's unfortunate he had to miss as much time due to injury and taking as much time as he took to get his timing and everything back, but he really seems to be waking up, like I said, at the perfect time, people. 
Unfortunately, in the bottom of the fifth, Cole, again, in the bottom of the fifth, would not be able to hold another lead. Again, partly thanks to Josh Donaldson, because he made his error. But nonetheless, Cole still gave up a go-ahead two-run shot to Tavares. So that made it 3-2 to two Rangers, and they would go on to win by that score. So it sucks that on a record-breaking game, the Yankees had to lose. But other than that, the game's meaningless, obviously. And in the final game of the season, on Wednesday, after history was made, Judge hit 62, this game was as meaningless as it gets. <laughs> so, on the mound for the Yankees was Herman. He would go four and a third, allowing seven hits, four runs, walking one and striking out six. The Yankees would get two runs on an RBI single on the top of the second by Higgy. Another hit for him. Big hit, one to nothing. After that, Herman would allow a tie game. Culberson hitting a solo shot in the bottom of the third. Top of the fourth, Jose Trevino ending his season on a high note with his 11th home run of the year in what was an incredible all-star season with the Yankees since he was acquired. A little bit after the season started, made a 2-1 to one solo shot. Herman gave that right back in the bottom half of the inning on Jonah Heim, hitting his 16th of the year, tying the game at 2. And they would score two more in the bottom of the fifth, the Rangers would, on an RBI double by Thompson and an RBI single by Marcus Semyon. 4-2, Rangers win, season over, people. It stinks the Yankees couldn't get to triple digits. They would finish the season 99-63, and 63, but hey, if it has to end on a number other than something in the triple digits, would you not rather have it end on the number of our great Aaron James Judge? I mean, come on. What other way are you going to have it after what he did this season? Nice commemoration to him, right? <laughs> so that was the end of the season, my friends. As far as this weekend, what's gone on with Wild Card Weekend, like I said, as far as series that are already over, basically all of them are over except for the Mets and Padres, the last ones for today. Because in the American League, like I said earlier, the Rays got swept right away by the Guardians and the Blue Jays in spectacularly humiliating, collapsing fashion, blew an 8-1 to lead at Rogers Center against the Mariners and would lose 10-9 to and get eliminated. So the Yankees, when you think about it, they're the only AL East team left. That's it, because the Red Sox didn't make it, the Orioles didn't make it, and the Rays and Blue Jays didn't make it past the wild card round. The Blue Jays even worse after... <laughs> I can't believe they blew that lead. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> it's just funny. It really is. It's funny considering all the talking they did. And, oh, God, it's hysterical. And over in the National League, like I said, the Mets managed to live to fight another day after winning 7-3 to over the Padres last night. Things were looking iffy for them again in the middle part of the game, but they managed to score some runs late, which has been in short supply lately for the Mets, and managed to win 7-3 and move on. And the Phillies were able to hold on despite a late Cardinals rally in St. Louis and sweep the series in St. Louis. The Phillies, this is something I didn't expect. I thought the Cardinals were going to take care of them. This surprised me, but instead the Phillies, after sweeping the series in St. Louis in the best of three wildcard series, are moving on to the NLDS to face their divisional opponent, Atlanta Braves. Isn't that amazing? 
I sound like John Sterling. Isn't that amazing, Susan? But, I mean, really, isn't that crazy? I, I did not think that the Cardinals were going to lose to them. That really surprised me. If I had to say the series that surprised me the most, aside from, of course, the Blue Jays blowing their lead, I cannot mention that enough. But it's got to be this series. I really did not see that coming. I really didn't. I mean, the Cardinals were factually the better team. And 93 and 69, they finished the season. And the Phillies were 87 and 75. And just overall, I like how the Cardinals are just constructed more. I'm really surprised. Maybe the Cardinals only scored three runs in the first game and didn't score any yesterday. Bryce Harper making his presence known in the second inning, big home run. And then Kyle Schwarber hitting a sack fly in the top of the fifth, so all it took for them. And despite a late rally for the Cardinals, the Phillies were able to shut it down. Really crazy stuff. So all series other than one was just swept in two games, best of three. The One of the teams won the first two, and that was it. Only the Mets and Padres are going to a game three that's taking place later this afternoon in a few hours, much later after I'm going to be done recording. By the time this episode's out later tonight, that game will probably be over. I'm probably going to release it a couple of hours after the Padres and Mets game ends, if I had to say. It'll be out later tonight like usual. And you can listen to this at any point later in the week, as well as you know. But, yeah, then after that's done, guys, as far as what's ahead, I usually do what's ahead after the weekly recap, but uh, we're in playoff time now, so there's just only a few, you know, certain games ahead on specific days and specific rounds. But the only thing that's left after the Mets and Padres games is, and when the Yankees start to play again, is on Tuesday the 11th. That starts the division series in the AL and the NL. For the Yankees specifically, the first game will be played on Tuesday, the 11th. Yankees and Guardians, series starting at Yankee Stadium. Of course, the Yankees have home field advantage. So if the series is to go all five games, the series will be played two in Yankee Stadium, then two in Cleveland, and then the last one, game five in the Bronx, obviously. Wednesday will be an off day for the Yankees and the Guardians. They'll come back on Thursday the 13th. Friday will be an off day. Then they'll come back on Saturday, playing in Cleveland. The Yankees will be the 15th. They'll be right back at it on Sunday, playing in Cleveland, if necessary for Game 4. And if necessary for Game 5, they will be right back at it despite traveling, which is weird to me. I would think that they would go Tuesday, Wednesday, off day on Thursday for travel, Friday, Saturday, and if Game 5 is necessary, off day Sunday for travel, and then Monday, Game 5. But they just decided to opt for Saturday, Sunday, Monday straight through if all five take place. So then if it goes to a fifth game, right after playing on Sunday, despite the travel, getting right back at it on Monday and playing game five on Monday the 17th. So that's what's ahead for the ALDS, guys, as far as the Yankees are concerned. And next Sunday, if game four is necessary, that is the next time we'll be speaking next to, I have to imagine it's probably, especially because it's the Yankees mainly, going to be a night game. So if that's the case, I'll be recording beforehand. And I'll do sort of a game preview, and I'll make sure to have the episode out before the game starts. I'll try my best. But nonetheless, that's what's ahead, guys. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and if necessary, Sunday and Monday for the ALDS for the Yankees against the Guardians. It's set. 
We'll see what happens. And speaking of that ALDS, that's exactly what our social media segment includes. And we're going to get to that right now since we just finished up the weekly recap. So let us get to that social media segment to round out this really fun show. I'm having a good time. I hope you are too. But uh, a lot of talk between the history, what happened this past week, talking about what's ahead for the ALDS, prepping for it. Now we're going to make predictions in the social media segment when it comes to the ALDS. What do you think is going to happen, guys? Quite frankly, that's the question because what else is there to ask, really? (laughs) I mean, that's really all that matters at this point. What's ahead? For the American League Division Series as the Yankees get ready to take on the Guardians. That's really all that anybody's thinking about. So quite frankly, very easy social media segment this week. Just a question. The ALDS is set. Who wins and in how many games out of the best of five? I'm going to try to read as many replies as I possibly can, as many predictions as I possibly can. I'll tell you right off the bat right now, though, I got my prediction in line and my prediction is the Yankees winning in four. If you remember last week, I don't remember if I specifically said this, but in the case that I didn't, I'll say it again. I really didn't care what the ALDS matchup would be based on what happened in the wild card series because there's really only one team that I truly fear more than anybody else, especially in the American League, and that's the Astros. I think the Yankees could beat anybody else. So whether it would have been the Guardians or the Rays, or if the seeding would have been different, anybody else, whether it be even the Blue Jays or even the Mariners, I think the Yankees can beat any of them. I think of all those teams, the Mariners are the best ones, but I think the Yankees could beat any of them. And now that it is the Guardians, I will stick to that statement and say the Yankees do beat them. I do think the Guardians will win a game. I won't be surprised if the Yankees sweep. I'll be very surprised if the Yankees lose the series at any capacity. That'll shock me. I truly do think the Yankees are a better team than any of those other teams I mentioned. Any of them. So I do think that they're going to defeat the Guardians, and I do think that it's going to be in four games, which of course would result in the series ending on the road. Wouldn't be too surprised if it went to game five, but... I do have the Yankees winning no matter how many games it goes, but I am going to say Yanks in four. That's my prediction. So let's get to some of your replies before we wrap up for today. First up is at BritX94 saying Yanks in five. All right. I'd be fine with that as long as the Yankees win. (laughs) At KVLNYY says, I think Yankees in four. That's what I'm saying. Rebecca at Peace Now for Life says, I think it'll be a tough series, but my prediction is Yankees in four. Bring on the Guardians. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Now that I'm scrolling, I see a lot of uh, a lot of Yankees in four. So I see a lot of people agree with me. At Dflex2123 says, I like the Yankees in four. They have the better lineup and a good bench. Can line up their rotation. Expect the games to be close. Yeah, a lot of playoff games are close in general, so... Yeah, I wouldn't be too surprised if that were the case. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, definitely the Yankees have the better all-around team. They truly do. So that's that's why I'm saying, objectively, if the Yankees did lose the series, I'd be genuinely surprised. I really, really would be. The Yankees are the better team, and they should, the operative word in the sentence being should, <laughs> win this series. Next up... At Papa underscore Cole 45 says Yankees in five. All right. Another Yankees in five. Seems to be that or four. 
Next is at NYY Sports Fan 96 saying, I think it could go five games with the Yankees winning. So another Yankees in five. Okay. At Rebirth Chaos 09, my friend James says, I think the Yankees win in four, but Cleveland pitching is pretty good. Yeah, the pitching is good. I do really like the kid Tristan McKenzie who just pitched yesterday. I really like what he has. And they also tend to have some pretty good arms out in the bullpen. I do like Cleveland's bullpen especially. I mean, especially their closer. I mean, that goes without saying. <laughs> that's that's the main one that you're afraid to face if you're anybody, not even just the Yankees. But their closer is not to be trifled with. <laughs> Emmanuel Classe. I mean, he throws in the triple digits and throws a cutter at that. And it's scary crap. It really is. Even in their rotation, though, of course, they have Shane Bieber, who the Yankees have knocked around on the big stage before, so it's definitely not impossible. Like I said, I really like Tristan McKenzie. Cal Quantrill's had a good year. Zach Plesak's just a psychopath, but I <laughs> mainly Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie. They they just are really promising arms for me. Tristan McKenzie's 25 years old. He's my age. Really young, promising arm has had his good outings against the Yankees even. So they do have their good pitching, and they do have some arms out in the bullpen I like. Like I said, I love Class A. Um, I like Karinchek. A few arms out there that I like. But, um, but yeah, that could definitely result in some pretty close games because, like you say, their pitching is pretty good. It is. So I'll give them that. And that's also why I give them at least one victory in this series, which is why I say Yanks in four. But to those who say Yanks in five, I wouldn't be too surprised. I wouldn't be too surprised because the main aspect of the Guardians that'll carry them is going to be their pitching. So um, you have no idea how much how much it takes in me to not say Indians because I'm just so used to saying it. <laughs> Even ESPN the other night, by the way, I don't know how many people caught this. I know me, my mom, my girlfriend, just we all caught it, my brother. Um, we were watching, pretty sure when we were watching the Met game back on Friday, ESPN... On a lower third, they put up at the bottom of the screen, they said the Rays and Indians, they they put Indians on the lower third. So everybody has trouble remembering sometimes that they're not the Indians anymore. So cut me some slack, okay? At Claw underscore in motion says Yanks in four. Agreed. At Crusaders BBNY says New York in four. Another Yanks in four. At Laura underscore Icemont says, I think it'll be Yankees in four. Cleveland is a sleeper team, so it will be a battle. But the Yankees will prevail and move on to the ALCS. I am in agreement. And the aspect of their team, in my opinion, that does make them a sleeper team again is, yes, they're pitching. So it's going to be interesting. At Eric Cop 21 says, Yankees win it in five. All right. Seems to be Yanks in five or Yanks in four. At Nolik11 says, Yanks in four. And so does at Bart, is it Akasella? I'm sorry if I botched your name, Bart. But at Bart, Akasella one says, Yanks in four as well. At Nadav Isas is next. And he says, Yankees in three. Book it. So Yankees sweep. All right. I appreciate the confidence. At NY Sports Fan 3150 says, Yankees in four. Another Yankees in four. At Brooks underscore Doherty says Guardians in four. Okay, we got a Guardians pick. Okay, mixing things up a little bit. I appreciate that. I'm okay with that. At NYY1523 says Yankees in four. 
Yeah, so we've got a... It seems like the general consensus is the Yanks in five or the Yanks in four. Got one Guardians pick, but it seems like, in general, people think Yanks in five and Yanks in four. I think Yanks in four. That's my personal prediction. We'll see. So let's do our final two. I think I've read out enough already. <laughs> I was able to speed run through this because it's a pretty straightforward question. All right, my girlfriend at Vic Salimo is next, and she says, I think the Yanks will win in three. There may be some dead bats or maybe some rocky pitching, maybe some back and forth, but in the end, the Yanks will power through and take the series. So you got the Yankees sweeping as well, so we got a Yanks in three, another one. I think it's more possible, I mean, listen, anything's, anything is possible, especially with the playoffs, but just in general, how hard it is to predict baseball. If you need anybody to just tell you how hard it is to predict baseball, just listen to a John Sterling broadcast, he'll tell you about a thousand times. <laughs> no disrespect, John. But anyways, it is that hard to predict the game, especially the playoffs, but I think if you were to predict what's more likely to see, whether it be dead bats or rocky pitching, Especially because, you know, the Yankees the Yankees rotation for the playoffs is looking good. And the bullpen's shaky, but, uh, you know, they'll use their top-tier arms, and I think they'll get by fine. Um, and the Guardians pitching, as we established, they do have some really good arms. So I think if you had to think about which one you're more likely to see, it's probably dead bats. Probably less offense. And in general, there's less offense in the playoffs always, so there's that too. But... Yeah, there could be, or there could be some rocky pitching. Who knows? Like I said, you can't predict it. It ought to be interesting, and I do think it'll be a good series. I don't think it'll be easy for either side. But nonetheless, I have my prediction. You have Yanks in three. Fair enough. Let's end off as usual last, but certainly not least, with my amazing mother, Julia Gina Scudero, and she says, I believe the Yankees will beat the Guardians in five games. It'll take all five, because we all know our lovely Yankees always have to keep giving us a breakdown. Good luck, Yankees. <laughs> oh, God, I felt that in my soul. You couldn't be more right, Mom. That's probably going to be the case. For that exact reason. <laughs> they always love to make it interesting and make us want to jump off our roofs for sure. So I definitely understand that line of thinking. <laughs> love giving us a breakdown. My God, has there ever been a truer statement spoken? I'm not quite sure. But that is all, guys. Those are all the predictions. Thank you so much for interacting with the social media segment. As always, if I did not get to you, I am sorry, as usual. But I am fortunate enough to have a lot of people interact with the social media segments every week. So just keep on trying. I'm going to get to you eventually, all right? But to all those who did interact with it, I appreciate you to the ends of the earth. You know that. Love you to death. And just if you listen to this episode in general... I appreciate it. I appreciate a minute of your time. There are plenty of choices for podcasts or radio shows or especially just Yankee content, anything to listen to. And you chose to be here with my crazy ass. <laughs> and I cannot tell you how grateful I am for that and how grateful I am for you sticking with me for another season of coverage. That wraps up another regular season's worth of coverage here on Yapping Yankees, guys. And over the next month, it's going to be another year of baseball overall once the playoffs are over, officially covered. That makes May of 2019 and on. So 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022, and all the craziness in between covered here in the last three and a half years, give or take, 
of Yapping Yankees. A lot of fun stuff to cover throughout that time. A lot of fun stuff to cover today. A lot of stuff we're able to talk about. A lot of history being made overall this season, whether it be on another team or especially here on the same night with Aaron Judge, our King Aaron James Judge, as he leads us into the postseason on the quest to number 28 in 2022, homering for his 62nd time on Tuesday night to lead off the second game of the doubleheader in the second-to-last game of the season, immediately followed by Garrett Cole breaking the Yankees' single-season strikeout record. The season ending, and now as we march towards Tuesday, Game 1 of the American League Division Series, guys. And by the time we talk next, if the Yankees do manage to sweep the series, the series could already be over by the time we talk next, (laughs) next Sunday. So if the Yankees do sweep, then they will win on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, because those are the days of the first three games. If that is to happen, or even if the Guardians are to do that somehow, which again would shock me to the ends of the earth, but if that is to happen, then by the time we talk next Sunday, then the ALDS will already be over, and we'll be getting ready for the ALCS. We'll have to recap all of the American League Division series between the two teams, which no matter when it does end, we will do just that whether it be next Sunday or the Sunday after that, in the middle of what will probably be the ALCS by then, regardless of who that may be. Now, as far as the start times for the games coming up this week for the ALDS, that has not been announced yet. So just hang tight and wait for the announcements from Major League Baseball. I assume you'll hear them on the radio, on television, in the newspaper, if you still read that, or on social media, regardless of where you get your news from. You will hear about the start times eventually when time gets closer. We're still a little far out. They'll probably give those out after the all of the wild card rounds are officially done with, mainly the Padres and Mets, because that's the only one left as of early here on Sunday. And as well as the rosters, because that has not been announced yet either. I assume the organizations, especially the ones like the Yankees, who are able to wait back for their opponent after the wild card series were all done with. I assume they have taken their sweet time, as they should, because they've earned that time, to strategically piece together their American League or National League division rosters, as the Yankees probably have, and we'll probably be getting that in the next day or two. We don't have it right now, so we don't have that or the start times for the game, so I can't provide either of those for you as of the time I'm recording right now here on Sunday, early in the day. But those pieces of news will probably be coming out nonetheless. And at the risk that the American League Division Series could be over by the time we talk next Sunday, in all likelihood it'll probably still be going on in Game 4. But at the risk that it ends before then, I just want to wish my boys the best of luck. I am praying to God Almighty in Heaven that this is finally the year. I have my nerves and points of negativity from a Yankee perspective, as far as what could happen in this postseason. But obviously, the fan in me is also staying with the utmost of confidence until there's no reason to be anymore, and hoping that this is finally the year that the Yankees capture their long-awaited number 28. And I know people in opposing fan bases probably want to punch me right between the eyes after saying that with how long some of them have had to wait for the next title. <laughs> And it's only been about 13 years for the Yankees. 
But in Yankee land, you got to understand, 13 years is a long time. So we're still waiting on that. And hopefully, hopefully this is the year led by Aaron Judge and others who are supposed to be leaders, of course, like Garrett Cole, etc. And hopefully this is the year that they finally do it all because I've had enough of waiting. I've had enough of the heartbreak. I've had enough of every season ending with a rant on this podcast because I'm disgusted with how things ended. I would like to end on a happy note. I would really very much like that. And I think that is just about as good a note as I'm going to end on in the final episode of Yapping Yankees before the 2022 playoffs. (laughs) For the Yankees, at least. Because the playoffs overall for 2022 have already started. But the Yankees are beginning on Tuesday. And again, hopefully that is the first step to the ultimate goal after the greatness that we experienced this season. 99-win season, even though, especially given the first half, certainly could have been a lot more, but still finished with 99 freaking wins, appropriately Aaron Judge's number as well, winning the American League East and achieving all kinds of milestones that would render just about anybody speechless. And now we head towards the time that matters more than anything, and that is real October playoff baseball. And with that being said, my friends, that is all for episode 158 of Yapping Yankees today. Please remember to follow me on all socials if you do not already. My Facebook fan page is Mike Scudero NY. My Twitter is at Mike Scudero. And Instagram is at Mike Scuds. 97. Please be sure to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it's available on. If you don't already, that would be YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And show your love on all four of them. Leave a like below if you're listening on YouTube, as well as a comment giving me your feedback. Leave a review on any of the other three. And if you've missed any of the past Yapping Yankees episodes, do not fret, because you could listen to all episodes of Yapping Yankees from episode 30 up to episode 158 today on YouTube and every single episode going all the way back to episode 1 up to 158 today are all available on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Once again, thank you 3000 for listening to me yap today, my friends. As always, I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you Next Sunday, October 16th, when I come at you with episode 159 of Yapping Yankees. And until then, you know the deal. Hang in there, be patient, stay safe, and let us all enjoy the ride for what will hopefully be a very enjoyable and memorable postseason in 2022 for our boys in pinstripes starting with the American League Division Series on Tuesday against the Guardians. So one last time before the American League Division Series officially starts, let's go Yankees! Let's go Yankees! Let's go, boys. Let's win this freaking series. Go to the ALCS. Go to the World Series and do it all. K.
can't freaking wait to talk to you guys next Sunday, my friends. Hopefully, with a lot to be positive about and a lot to celebrate and look forward to. In the meantime, like I've gotten in the habit of saying, go ahead and kick life's ass this week, just like hopefully the Yankees kick the Guardians' ass this coming week. And next Sunday, we'll be right back here talking about our Yankees. Take care, everybody.